Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. Oh, it feels good. It's Friday. It's almost the weekend. Hope you guys are enjoying your week and got some good plans here ahead in the uh, two days to come. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu uh, was out yesterday, so uh, good to be back and always good to wrap up the week uh, with my co-host for the day, Brian McKinnis of the Spectrum News Act. BMAC is in the house. How you doing, BMAC? I'm good, man. It's one of these summertime Fridays, so not only are we wrapping up the week, but... There wasn't a whole lot to wrap up to begin with in terms of local sporting events. Are, are you feeling it? Are you feeling the, the dog days of summer? Is it sort of upon you here as a member of the local sports media? It, it's kind of the reverse. I mean, it's just like time for me to just like soak in some of that time off uh, yeah. and kick kick back to an extent. I mean, there's still stuff going on, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about a lot of it coming up, I'm sure. But um you got to enjoy these weeks while you can, man, because before you know it, those late July weeks of uh, prep football starting back up and UH football fall camp opening up, I think July 26th will be here in no time flat. Yeah, even just like the news about, uh, you know, who's representing the University of Hawaii football team at the Mountain West, like football media days in Vegas is like, oh, we're already doing that. Like this thing is going to go faster as far as the offseason is concerned uh, than what you ever sort of anticipate or expect. But you are looking to take advantage of. You got like a big old trip coming up, don't you? Yeah, I got a, a little bit of a multi-stop trip coming up starting uh, to see my sister in San Francisco with her newborn. Yeah, because you're a new unk. New unk. So, uh, yep, I'm going to get some hands-on uh, uncle time. Nice. And we'll see how that goes with some diaper changing. And uh, Whoa, whoa, you're diving in. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be uh, – it's been put to my uh, knowledge that I, I'm going to be put to work. So Wow. Um, that's that's what I'm fully expecting. <laughs> Congratulations, question mark? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Well, we wish you uh, the best here on that trip. We'll miss you around here, but I know you'll be uh, you'll be back once uh, we uh, get closer to the next uh, annual athletic season, which, uh, as you alluded to, is uh, not that far away. But it's interesting because these are sort of the dog days, right? Where uh, you know basketball is pow officially, and and it's primarily Major League Baseball that has the stage. We get into some of the summer youth baseball travel teams, and we often get a lot of news regarding those teams representing Hawaii here uh, in the next couple of months. you got the College Baseball World Series going on as well as we speak. There's always golf. you got the U.S. Open this week, but it's been kind of an eventful from a news headline standpoint. Kind of an eventful, quote-unquote, off-season. Yeah. we got more news today uh, as it is being reported that uh, San Diego State uh, has notified the Mountain West Conference through a series of letters that they intend to, quote-unquote, resign from their membership in that conference, and the presumption is that they will be headed to the Pac-12, obviously with USC and UCLA en route to uh, – greener pastures, if you will, leaving the Pac-12 conference and uh, headed to the Big Ten. Uh, that left a vacancy in Southern California, and I think everybody immediately thought, all right, it seems like it would be the, the most natural fit for San Diego State to kind of fill in that void, right, with mm -hmm. its positioning in Southern California. There are also talks that SMU is uh, going to be coveted as a likely invitee to the Pac-12 conference. So they are looking to expand and obviously trying to 
in essence, um, just replace uh, or, or somehow, um, you know, find a way to offset the losses of USC and UCLA. And SMU comes with a lot of value because you're talking about its market share, talking about like up to three million uh, potential uh, television sets or, or homes in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that expansion comes, I think, with... Um, some pretty uh, fair and, and, and obvious benefits. Uh, San Diego State, obviously, just with that position in Southern California, trying to mark out uh, that that footprint uh, as, as a constant for the league. So the news that San Diego State is involved with this is not really news. It's not really a big surprise, perhaps the timing of it, uh, perhaps you know the, the abruptness of kind of how this news got out today. I think what is also maybe funny about this or peculiar or however you want to describe it is just how clumsy this thing has been because San Diego State writes a letter to the conference, right? Their, their university president notified the Mountain West that they have this intention, right? Uh, but then there were reports that there isn't exactly, at least to this point, as far as I've seen so far f- trying to follow this news today, uh, there isn't a formal invitation from the Pac-12 for San Diego State yet. So San Diego State had <laughs> to send uh, these follow-up letters to the Mountain West conference. One was requesting that they extend the deadline uh, for when San Diego State has to notify the league. So if they are looking to uh, leave the Mountain West Conference, say, a year from now, they have until June 30th to notify the Mountain West. Uh, That would come with what is a buyout clause of about $17 million that they'd have to pay the league in order to get up out of Dodge. Uh, But that deadline is there because if they were looking to leave the conference next year, if they do not give them affordable notification that they are in fact leaving the league by June 30th, then that buyout doubles and they would have to pay $34 million on top of that. So they sent a follow-up letter uh, asking for the extension to that deadline, right? Because they're still trying to figure things out. There were reports that San Diego State doesn't actually have a formal invitation yet from the Pac-12. So they sent another letter to the Mountain West basically saying, oh, by the way, that first letter was oh, not our no. formal declaration that we are pulling out of the league. Like, it has been um, a bit of an amateur hour type of show, I think, here in the way the San Diego State has handled this. But now the word is out. I think, you know, what will likely happen is the dominoes will still fall in the way that they were destined to fall. Uh, it just might end up, depending on how the Mountain West reacts to this, and then they can can kind of um, beat their chest a little bit and play a little bit more hardball here. They don't necessarily have to uh, fall in line with what San Diego State is asking them to do. Um, so that that you know the the fact that they're departing might not be something that is is going to be thwarted in any way. Uh, but what's funny is San Diego State might uh, just because of its own um, you know uh, mishandling of this situation or or misreading of of the tarot cards might end up paying a little bit more money than it planned to. Yeah, ham-fisted or ham-handed maybe I like would that. be uh, one way to describe this. It's like a school schoolyard chaos where everyone's trying to try to figure out who likes who. <laughs> San Diego State passed a, a paper note saying, "Do you like me?" That's to the Pac-12 right. with a yes or no checkbox, <laughs> and they haven't received anything back yet. So they turn around on the the person who has a crush on them, and they're like, hey, I might still be around, but probably not. So, hey, just hanging out. Check yes if you would like to go out with me. Check no if it – no, yeah, no, that's uh, that's right. It, you know, it's it, it's kind of interesting. It, it, it 
it makes you question, right, just how these things actually end up happening, right, and the kinds of conversations that have to take place in order for San Diego State to initiate uh, this process, uh, but to do so with such sort of a, a limp-in type of approach um, that seems a little sketchy. And so, again, I don't think this is necessarily going to preempt San Diego State from ultimately going to the Pac-12. That, that's likely to be the case. Uh, when they had the Mountain West uh, Conference um, uh, presidents and ADs out here, mm-hmm. actually, for a meeting just last week, um, it, it was very conspicuous, the fact that the San Diego State AD did not make mm-hmm. that trip. And so, you know, I think the, the writing is on the wall that for sure this is going to happen, but it's just kind of interesting and funny uh, the way uh, that this is playing out. How much of an impact do you think this departure, if and when it does happen for San Diego State, will have uh, on the Mountain West, which, of course, Hawaii is a football-only member of? But also, you know, we're going to have Iran Ganat on the show in about five or six minutes, and we'll talk a little bit about that upcoming Japan trip for the UH basketball program and uh, also Portland replacing St. Mary's in the upcoming Diamond Head Classic. But San Diego State's been a basketball team that has had an impact uh, in the West region, obviously, and with the success that they had this past season. Um, they are a major player, but they would either play in the Maui Invitational or the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. That's been kind of a regular thing for San Diego State, going back to Steve Fisher when he was head coach and now Brian Dutcher at the position. Yep. Uh, and so it can have an impact even on the hardwood when it comes to Hawaii basketball. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Brian Dutcher has made it clear that any time the four-year cycle rolls around for either the Diamond Head <clears throat> or the Hawaiian Airlines, uh, uh, excuse me, the, the Maui Invitational, uh, the four-year exempt window to appear in one of those events, he will participate. Um, they have been one of the most active teams to come out here pr- an average of every other year, basically, for one of those two eight-team tournaments on Maui or Oahu. So, uh, that's just one example of, of how it might kind of have some ripple effects out here in uh, our island home. I mean, San Diego State has been a emerging player on the national scene for basketball. I mean, it's been a long time coming. Steve Fisher, as you mentioned, Kanoa, like started that transformation of this just moribund program into something that's, you know, been feisty, then respectable, then a team that has to be legitimately feared as evidenced by their run to the national championship game this past year. And then on the football side of things, they have been uh, absolutely one of the uh, teams you have to get through in sure. that formerly the West division of the mountain West conference. Uh, you know, they were basically there with Fresno almost every year with probably the exception of San, Di- San Jose state getting in, uh, you know, in recent past Hawaii got in one year under coach Rolovich. But they were a team that, you know, were kind of uh, earmarked almost for a potential spot in that Mountain West Championship game. And uh, yes, there's no divisions anymore, but they still would figure to be a factor in this new Mountain West where they just go by winning percentage of all the teams. And it would be a noticeable loss on UH's Mountain West membership side of things. So uh, there would definitely be some uh, repercussions to their uh, movement. Yeah, sure. yeah, because you don't know exactly how that will impact their ability to still um be involved and compete in those tournaments. It'll definitely impact how uh, the the powers that be uh, aligned with those events, specifically the, the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, uh, how they're able to present the invitations because usually they try to pick just one team from whatever conference is being represented mm-hmm. uh, by said program. And so if they are inviting San Diego State, then that basically prevents them in most years, and there are some exceptions, but that basically would likely pre- prevent them from being able to invite another 
another Pac-12 opponent uh, or vice versa. If they have a Pac-12 team coming, how likely would it be that San Diego State in a year where it would be eligible to come out would accept that kind of invitation or feel like that's still something that benefits their program? So it can absolutely impact, uh, I think, uh, whether or not they're going to be as uh, much of an influence on uh, hoops in Hawaii as they have been here previously. But it is remarkable. And, and I think what's also remarkable is we're seeing a, a bit of a trend where uh, you have uh, institutions uh, and athletic programs that are maybe spearheaded or flagshipped by their basketball programs mm-hmm. getting a lot of this kind of consideration from Power Five conferences, right? The whole discussion about Gonzaga possibly going to the Big 12. Here you have San Diego State, and yes, their football program is absolutely relevant and a perennial power in the Mountain West Conference, Uh, but you would have to probably say right now that that athletic program is most known and maybe has been for some time for its prowess on the basketball court, and so it's kind of interesting how in a world where football is king above and beyond at all times, it's these basketball teams that are getting a lot of of the heavy consideration and a lot of the weight in this discourse. For sure. I mean, when you think about power programs on the East Coast who kind of fill that mold, you're talking about North Carolina's, Kentucky's. And yeah, they can be frisky in football, but they're absolutely known for their college basketball blue blood programs. And uh, San Diego State, you know, there's a a far cry, I think, or a a divide to be bridged before they get to that kind of status. But I think I would totally agree that they have been leading with their hoops program for some time now. And uh, with Brian Dutcher doing what he did just this past uh, March, I don't think that's going to change anytime yeah. soon. Be interesting, though. If this does ultimately happen, you know, where will the Mountain West Conference turn? What kind of programs do they consider that they look to immediately fill that void that is then vacated by San Diego State? Uh, that'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, beat the heat with Fujitsu Air Conditioning Systems. Fujitsu includes a special trifecta warranty that will have you saying, I love my Fujitsu. All right, so we are going to uh, bow out. We got a U.S. Open update coming your way. Uh, Ricky Fowler, as you will hear, is uh, he's balling out right now, and he's atop the leaderboard. You'll hear some more details here in this update coming up. And then after that, after a commercial break, we are going to be talking with Rainbow Warrior basketball coach Aran Ganad. Of course, it was just announced earlier this week that they're going to be taking a trip to Japan as a program. Obviously, a lot of recruiting news that has come the way of the Rainbow Warriors as well. Uh, some news regarding the Diamond Head Classic with Portland taking the place of St. Mary's, which recently uh, bowed out of that tournament. So we'll get into all of that stuff uh, with Aran Ganat again coming up after the break, after your U.S. Open update. Hey, what's up? Welcome back. Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. I am being joined by my special guest co-host for the day, Brian McInnes, BMAC of the Spectrum News app. You're going to an interesting function uh, at the Japanese Cultural Center uh, tonight, BMAC. You were telling me about uh, kind of a cool celebration event, uh, and that just seems to be a great segue into uh, some news that uh, we'll be talking about here uh, in just a moment about the Rainbow Warrior basketball team going to Japan. So it's like a full-on experience for this Hawaii program uh, as they will be uh, traveling uh, to Tokyo, Hiroshima, Kyoto. This is going to be a 10-day tour running from August 8th to the 19th. And so to talk more about that, who better than to uh, chat with the head coach himself? That's right, Rainbow Warrior headman Aran Ganat joins us via the Aloha Kia hotline. Coach Ganat, how are you doing? 
Doing great. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right. Thanks for making the time. Uh, this is exciting. Word came out this week. Uh, your team's going to Japan. How did this come about? And uh, uh, what are you looking forward to most here about this? Well, it's been in, in the process for a bit. I, you know, we went to uh, Australia in 2018. We could go on a tour once every four years. We didn't go last year because we didn't want to waste it uh, when there's still some uh, COVID restrictions. So it just aligned and seemed right, and there was momentum towards mixing it up, uh, going to another area, and, and Japan became the target point. So here we are. Um, we got some guys trickling in now. Uh, for our summer access portion, uh, it'll be more official here on, on a couple of weeks, uh, preparing us for the 10 days of practice. And then we leave on August 8th and here we go. So just really exciting. As you know, a lot of work goes into it behind the scenes, so many different parties involved. So thankful for administration, you know, global sports, JTB, Hawaiian airlines. And I can't tell you how excited our guys are, how excited our staff. You know, and also our, our boosters and fans that are looks like we'll have a pretty good group coming with us. Yeah, no, I can't. I imagine that that's a pretty attractive trip for uh, all of the supporters of the program. Um, in fact, uh, if if there's any need for any play-by-play announcers, uh, please let me know because I would love to, to join you guys. Um, when you talk about a trip like this, right? I mean, this is as you mentioned something that you are uh, afforded an opportunity to do every four years, uh, and it comes with obviously just the trip itself is a, a great bonding experience. And, and an overall experience for everybody involved. But even from a basketball standpoint, you guys get to practice, you get to play. In fact, you are allowed, if I'm not mistaken, uh, almost a dozen practices leading up to the trip, right? And so um, from a basketball standpoint, what are the benefits here for you? Well, it's immense because, you know, like I said earlier, we have our normal summer program uh, where you get the guys will be working outside of these hours on their own, but we get eight hours a week with them, which is four of which can be basketball. Once we get to our 10 practices prior to the tour, then obviously you're getting several hours a day with them, and that's significant at a time where you just don't get that. And then playing you know, games, let alone team against professional teams, uh, you would never get. So you know, you're integrating your new guys, you're implementing some things, you're tinkering with you know, the combination of new guys and the improvement of the returners and you know, and I do think traveling together at that time of the year and, and, you know, sharing, you know, obviously this is a great place we're going, which is very culturally significant. And we're going to immerse ourselves into that. And, you know, we're going to have a lot of educational experiences together. So to do all that at this time of the year is, is huge. Hey, Coach Gennad, it's Brian. Um, yeah, it, you know, having been a part of a UH basketball foreign tour to Asia in the past in 2011 and, um, you know, followed from afar what you guys did in 2018, there's, uh, I think, a lot of interesting cultural and, and competitive aspects to the trip that can, can benefit you and your team. But, uh, yeah, about Japan specifically, I mean, how do you see that country's place in the world of basketball these days with, um, you know, some of their NBA talent that seems to be on the rise and, um, does that translate to college eligible athletes that you guys might be able to bring into your program? No, that's a great question. And I should, I spoke obviously about the, in general, the relationship and the strong relationship between, and the synergy between Japan and Hawaii. But, you know, we talked about two, um, NBA players now from Japan and some more guys trickling into college and, you know, it usually it takes time, but the the game is growing everywhere, and it's you're seeing in Japan now, and obviously it's one of the rare 
geographical advantages we do have. Uh, the the pro teams have improved. The coaches are terrific, and and when you have a couple of guys starting to make their you know they were better players that led to the next generation. Now you know two guys in the NBA, and that will lead to you know more guys in the future. So we want it. We're you know going over there. We're going to develop some of those relationships you know with key folks normally with the Hawaii Japan piece, and then the professional teams, the coaches, the youth coaches, and and you know starting to get an eye as much as we can on the future generation coming up. But it has certainly grown, and it's uh, the common uh, consensus out there is that will continue to grow. So we just want to make sure we do our part to be on the cusp of that. And Japan has a little bit more access in terms of, like you said, guys being seamless towards college, where some other places can be have more challenges in terms of their governments, things like that. Uh, I was wondering from your 2018 Australia trip coach, I mean, that's a country you are well familiar with from a recruiting standpoint, have, you know, visiting uh, over the course of many years. But what, what did you learn from uh, that foreign tour that, um, you know, there were like 30 fans that I think came along with you for that. Uh, it sounded like you guys had, a, you know, a overwhelmingly positive experience. But were there things that you learned about either how to budget your time or um, how to make the most of that kind of a trip or one week, two week experience that you tried to apply this time around? That's a great question. I mean, I learned it was all, I thought it was going to be good and it was awesome. It was better than I thought. And, you know, in, in that case too, we had a lot of familiarity with all the areas we've been, I've been on tours there. We've been recruiting there and we had guys from there. Uh, I was talking to Bernardo the other day, like we're, we're all going kind of as an unknown. We'll obviously have some terrific tour guides or some strong relationships already, but the coaches, the returning coaches, the returning players, none of us have been there. So, and that's exciting too. I mean, we tried to, if you recall, when we went to Australia, we tried to do a lot as much as we could, like most people do. Um, and we'll do that again now, but we're going to try to keep them fresh and uh, because usually you take those tours and we start school kind of a week earlier than others. So we'll be kind of coming back right before the fall starts. So, we're going to make sure we get everything we can as much as we can without burning them out and then adjusting the week we return to so they can recharge for a really good fall program for us. So, um, but at the end of the day, uh, I, having gone on tours and then doing it with our team here, and you mentioned, shoot, uh, talk to the person who's doing our, usually it's a lot of these teams will have, you know, maybe a, a couple fans and some parents. And I think most people generally have five to 10. We had 30 <laughs> come with us to uh, Australia. And, and the early signs since the announcement is we'll have more than that. Mm. And I think it's awesome. Like, I, I, I think I've been asked about this the last couple of days, but I'm looking at this as like one big family road trip with our fans and boosters. Yeah, maybe the biggest challenge is just like on the dinner reservation front and making sure you have enough <laughs> seats at the table for everybody. Uh, or just, or maybe you just let them do their own thing. Who knows? Uh, we're talking with Aron Ganad, head coach for the Rainbow Warrior basketball program, joining us via the Aloha Kia hotline. Um, now, you talked about the the recruits and, and some of the players who are incoming who are going to be able to kind of get their feet wet, if you will, uh, in a more official uh, or at least a game-like uh, type of, of setup on, on several fronts here on this trip. And I know you can't talk about everybody. There there may be an announcement soon, I think, of an official capacity uh, that will include a player that's going to be awfully happy about the, this particular location uh, and this particular <laughs> trip. But the guys you can talk about who are signed, um, Matthew Cotton, transfer from Yale, Justin McCoy, transfer from North Carolina, 
Carolina. Uh, with what you have coming back from last year's roster and with these additions, uh, what are you sort of viewing this roster composition to, to feel like, to look like, and, and from a potential standpoint uh, to, to possibly live up to? Yeah, well, obviously we got to continue to do our, hopefully be more fortunate and keep them healthy. But, you know, you, you, what you have coming back and what you have coming in, that's what work predictions are made off of. We always kind of talk to our team about it. it's really about the improvement of who you have coming back and the improvement of who you have coming in because we don't play for five more months. You know, we have a, the guys I think have had a great off season. We start with them more officially here soon and we can, you can make a big jump, but, you know, continuity is important, and I'm really proud of how our guys, our staff did in the current landscape with NIL and the portal. Uh, we, a lot of people, especially at our level, are hit hard by significant pieces in the portal. We have all, all our significant pieces, guys who played heavy minutes, back. And, you know, we lose some good players, obviously, to graduation. We added some key pieces. You mentioned Matt Cotton, uh, Justin McCoy, and to have that with those guys who we expect to make an impact to have them for the summer and to have them already in a tour, like that's a big jump, especially for newcomers, especially for transfers. And so the combination of what we have coming back, who we have coming in, the program we have set for them until our first game, it's really exciting to be honest. And there are going to be some things we're going to implement and, and tinker with. And I think the versatility, you know, with, you know, McCoy being a play, play, you know, the four and the three and, and, mm-hmm. and be a shooter and play off the bounce and and Cotton is a his length and his athleticism and his slashing ability, his three point shooting, you know, and obviously we're hoping to hear some good news on Juan Munoz here soon and you know, guys in the past have made big jumps. I expect Noel to make a jump, Javon to make a jump, Bernardo's had a great off season. We had two really impactful freshmen in Harry and Moore, so you know, really just excited, as you know, to get to work with them again here soon. Yeah, Coach, I was actually just about to ask you about Juan Munoz and his uh, status as far as uh, his NCAA waiver application for another uh, would-be eighth year of college eligibility for you this coming year. It sounds like you guys might be close to hearing something on that. And um, and also, like, yeah, health-wise, how's he doing in his rehab? If you get good news, do you think you'd have him uh, playable on that foreign tour? Yeah, no, it's a great question. He, he is rehab, and he's a very focused, determined kid, and nobody, as we know, should go through what he's been going through. But you wouldn't know it if you're around him. He's mm-hmm. in basically the start of month eight. So in some ways, he's ahead of last year's pace, and, you know, he's going through workouts already. Um, they've been modified, obviously, and we're going to be smart about that. And, you know, hopefully we'll hear good news any day now. Um, it's always good when you hear guys getting their ninth year back, which so Juan's only got been, would only be his eighth. So there's a precedent. <laughs> um, and certainly, <laughs> certainly, and the good thing is a lot of guys who are in their eight, nine, ten, whatever it can be, um, they look a lot older. Juan still looks like he's 14. That's true. And so, um, but he's doing everything and he's found it. He's being smart about it. He's attacking it. He looks, you know, again, think about it. It's, start of month eight and he's on pace or maybe slightly ahead 
Well, um, that's good to hear, actually, because, you know, I think that was uh, a lot of people just sort of immediately speculated, like, all right, you know, that, that's going to be a wrap for him. Uh, unfortunately, as you mentioned, you'd hate to see anybody experience what he has experienced from an injury standpoint. And yet just hope that there is a way that the universe will give this guy one more chance to do his thing, because uh, when we have seen him out there, obviously, uh, we have seen uh, just how good of a basketball player uh, he can be. Uh, before we let you go, I just kind of wanted to ask you, you're, you're a bit adjacent to this uh, in your positioning uh, with Hawaii basketball and the Big West Conference, but uh, word coming out today that San Diego State is intending to leave the Mountain West, and their basketball program has been part of the rotation, both the Maui Invitational and the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, and just wanted to, to ask uh, your opinion on, on that and, and uh, how you see that maybe impacting West Region basketball at the collegiate level. No, it's a great question, and obviously San Jose State's done a terrific job, and we have a lot of strong relationships with them. You know, Chris Eckers on their staff who was with us. That's right. John, one of their 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 longest tenured assistants was, was you know John was his Montgomery on our staff with his best man at his wedding. So, <laughs> a lot of strong relationships there, and I think you'll see a lot of that because we. When you ask me that, I go back to what happened with the Pac-12 and USC and UCLA. I would trickle down to the Mountain West and especially with what San Diego State has been doing, not just on the floor, but with their, their facilities and their fan base. And, you know, it, it's just, you know, everything is, the, you know, the dominoes effect is a lot of times even more impactful with regions. And so I think San Diego State's obviously related to what's going on in the Pac-12. And so we're following it. And obviously we need to continue to do our part to, to continue to improve our situation uh, so we're ready for whatever happens. But this is, you know, I know in the last last five years, shoot, the rules changes have been more significant than ever. Um, and, and in the last, there was a lot realignment before, but obviously more significant in the last five years and even the last couple of years. So you just got to, can't complain about anything. You just can continue to monitor it, mm-hmm. navigate through it. It'll be interesting to hear what our athletics director says about it and, and kind of go from there. We just got to continue to keep grinding and improving our situation. Well, you mentioned it, so we'll uh, go out on this last one. Uh, the new AD, uh, I, I imagine you've been able to spend some some ample time with him at this point. Uh, your your reaction, your thoughts uh, to Craig Angelis, uh, now officially in his position as UHAD? No, it's tough because I think um, it's a tough job and it's at a tough time for everybody. And obviously Hawaii is a very unique and special place. And, you know, when you're thrown into the fire and, you know, I'm sure he's been wearing a lot of hats and running all over the world. So um, he's met with our entire athletic department. I know we have a lot of individual meetings coming up. I know, you know, from afar as a guy who's, you know, um, not from the region, I think the most important thing you can do and from afar you're watching him doing that is, you know, immersing himself in the culture and getting to know as many people as you can. And obviously, you know, Hawaii is very special. It's one of the best places in the world and there's incredible people. And he's just trying to meet everybody and anybody he can in a very short window. So, you know, that takes time as we know, and, but all you can do is do your best. And so in the meantime, I think his first weeks, month, whatever it's been, has been doing that. And uh, we're all looking forward to kind of getting our meetings with him and kind of, hearing the vision and and how we can all work together to continue to build everything. Good stuff. Hey, Coach, we appreciate the time. Uh, really excited for the team to go to Japan and excited for some of these other um, 
imminent announcements that will be made in a more official capacity uh, regarding your program in the weeks to come. So uh, enjoy uh, the rest of your summer, and uh, we'll be bothering you again soon, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, take care. Aron Gannat, head coach, Rainbow Warrior basketball team. Uh, now, he can't talk about all of the recruits, uh, but he does have another one. I think he was alluding to as far as some uh, announcements that are going to be made here in the weeks to come, and uh, this uh, individual should be in place uh, with uh, the, the program to be able to enjoy uh, what will be a bit of a homecoming for him. Akira Jacobs grew up in California and Japan, uh, attended a program in Australia, but he has uh, given his verbal commitment to accept a scholarship offer from the Rainbow Warriors. He's a 6'8 wing, supposed to be a, a pretty darn good shooter. Um, and so that would be, he's fluent in Japanese. And so that would be a great asset for this team to have on their tour, a uh, 10-day tour in Japan. Yeah, talk about having a potential tour guide. I mean, <laughs> you know? what a strategic signing by Coach Gannat. <laughs> good time to have your first player in program history from Japan. No kidding. Seriously. Uh, how do I order uh, more Otoro, please, uh, Akira? <laughs> if you could please let me know. Um, no, that's that's uh, that's that's really, I think, a, a good fun trip that they have set up, and uh, we wish them the best. But this uh, guy, Akira Jacobs, is supposed to be a pretty good ball player too. Uh, he's playing for Japan's 19 under national team uh, at the World Championships this summer. So um, yeah, he's he's a guy who has a little bit of a resume coming with him uh, as well. So uh, some. Key additions at the wing positions, of course, Hawaii losing, among others, Kamaka Hepa and Samuta Avea. And I think those guys being able to play uh, various sort of wing slash post, mm -hmm. mid post types of areas on the floor. Um, those are going to be voids that are going to have to be filled. And it sounds like with this incoming class, he talked about Cotton talked about McCoy, and I think with the size that Akira Jacobs brings, uh, he may develop into this as well, uh, but just some length at the wing positions, very important seemingly to what Hawaii likes to do stylistically. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw Kamaka Hepa shoot close to 40% from three as a, you know, 6'10 big man, big man uh, last season, instrumental in uh, what the Rainbow Warriors tried to accomplish in their five-out, four-out system. Uh, when he was hitting, I mean, it was a real difference maker. Uh, they're going to miss that. He, you know, he was kind of a hot and cold player. We saw him go through his peaks and valleys. But uh, if Justin McCoy and Matthew Cotton can give them something approximating what Samuta Vea and Kamaka Hepa gave them last year, uh, that could make or break their coming season. All right, stay cool this summer. Get the new Bosch Inverter Central Air Conditioning System that qualifies for up to a thousand dollar Hawaii Energy rebate. Ask your contractor for the Bosch Inverter. We got B Macadocious, Brian. McInnes in the house. We're going to dip into the bucket O questions slash topics when we come back. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Brian McInnes of the Spectrum News app is my special guest co-host for the day. Big mahalo once again to Aran Ganat, head coach for the Rainbow Warrior basketball team, for joining us via the Aloha Kia hotline in that last segment. Aloha Kia. See ya in a Kia. 808-296-1420 is the number to call. If you have a question or comment, you can also text in via the Zephyr Insurance text line at that same number combo. All right, let's dip into the bucket of questions. Shall we be, Mac? Our first one, 
your thoughts on Kainoa Wade making the announcement that he is committed to play for the University of Hawaii, still with two years remaining in his high school career, but uh, apparently he knows the Hawaii head coach pretty well, so seemed like a, a lock, and it certainly, it certainly per this announcement, is just that. Your thoughts on that? You actually spent a good deal uh, this past boys' volleyball season covering Kamehameha and the exploits of Kainoa Wade. Yeah, it was a, a treat to see uh, this kid up close and personal over the course of uh, battling it out in that ILH gauntlet with Punahou. They beat Punahou uh, after like a marathon series of <laughs> matches that just seemed to never end. Both in a single match, they all went like five sets, and then like they had to play day after day after day for like a solid week there. Uh, just crazy. But uh, Kainoa Wade was the the unquestioned star for this Warriors team. Uh, he took them to the cusp of yeah. their first state championship since uh, 2011. 2011 was the last non-Punahou team to yeah. win a boys' volleyball state championship, and they were right there. You know, Kainoa Wade had them uh, in that fourth set, like I think 22 to 20 up, and then uh, Rick Toon calls a timeout. And does his Rick Tune stuff, <laughs> and it just absolutely and it flipped, and it, you could see the gut punch for the entire Warriors team and their faithful up there at the Cannon Activity Center. But Kainoa Wade, I mean, even in the loss, was uh, you know a gracious loser. Uh, had a I believe a UH uh, logo warm up shirt on before that match, so it's kind of been like an open secret where he intended to go. His yeah, dad yeah. was there watching him play. His parents, and uh, I think we all knew this was coming, but. For Kainoa Wade, you know, six eight as a high school sophomore uh, has to be considered, you know, one of the, if not the marquee recruit of his oh, yeah. college class. Yeah. Like, you know, maybe one of the best domestically in several years. I'm not an expert in that field, but I would have to think so. And uh, he had 30, 10, and 10 in that state championship game against Pudo. 88 swings. 88 swings. That's crazy. That's correct. Yeah, no, and like I think one of the biggest accomplishments is just even if it was for that night or if you wanted to look at it throughout the season because of some of the early losses that Punahou suffered, like to be able to contribute to making Punahou seem like an underdog yes. is as huge an accomplishment as there is. And Kanoa Wade was uh, certainly uh, a key piece in, in that. Uh, dynamic playing out but how good of a recruiter is Charlie Wade right <laughs> not only is he just like reloading here based on everything that this team lost after making it to four straight uh, NCAA finals um, but he even creates top-notch recruits like like he can form them uh, as well as as bring them into the Hawaii program that's just uh, that's remarkable I just kind of wish and maybe this did take place but wouldn't it have been funny if Kainoa uh, you know not sure how how the relationship would be in, in this regard but wouldn't it just been funny if like he just woke up one morning and was like dad Dad, I want to go to UCLA. Oh or, or even better, Dad, I think I want to go to BYU. <laughs> and just kind of see what the reaction is. I wish someone could have videoed that. That would be a great TikTok video. Hey, relating to the young listeners out there. All right, uh, next question out of the bucket. Uh, John Morant gets suspended 25 games by the NBA for this upcoming season. Was the suspension fitting? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of like – Compared to the first time around, he got, what, eight games? Yeah. And then he had already sat out for, like, you know, his personal time, missed six games. So it was, like, an additional two games. But um, I, I get – I it's so weird, man. I, I don't know. Like, why? how do you allow yourself to get filmed for, like, the same uh, – I mean, n not a criminal offense, but just, like, going against league policy. Sure. 
but it was clear like this is not something you should be doing and then he goes ahead and just does it anyway on his friend's social media account or whatever and uh i just the stupidity of it man i i, I can't say it's not deserved i, I know the uh nba players union said it's you know it's heavy-handed it's it's too much but I don't know. What do, what do you think about this? No, one? I mean, they, they gave him that initial uh, suspension. They had a s- supposed sort of heart-to-heart conversation, right. Adam Silver and John Morant, uh, talking about that. Morant publicly apologized for his behavior, and then it was like within a matter of days where another video comes out where he's brandishing a firearm. And, you know, it is kind of a weird place that we're in in society because, you know, this guy obviously gets punished for having a video of, of him holding a gun, and yet there are members of Congress who have, like, their entire families holding you know, like uh, automatic weapons in their Christmas cards and stuff. And it's just like, okay, what are we doing here? It's just a strange place that we're at. But that said, I think the league is very uh, interested in making sure that particularly it's younger stars, right? And and the impact and influence that they have on younger people, younger viewers and fans of the league, that they behave in a certain way. And I think the dangers of, of carrying uh, a firearm, brandishing weapons uh, in, in those kinds of videos, you know, I think that that can have a very negative influence and impact on the younger fans and, and really on, on the community as a whole. So, yeah, I think it's it's appropriate. Uh, and it goes in line with some of the other recent punishments that have been uh, doled out by the league. And so, yeah, I, I think that um, 25 games, yeah, it's it's harsh. It's going to be brutal for the Grizzlies in that first stage of the season. Uh, but John Moran has accepted it, and he has apologized again. Uh, and you hope that this time it's, uh, it's more legit. All right, we're actually up against the break, uh, but we're going to go ahead and um, take a timeout because we're going to come back with our best and worst. But, uh, you know, we got a pretty big, really big road show coming up uh, over at Growler Hawaii. You've been to that place on Kapahulu, but you can join us with June Jones, Hawaii AD Craig Angeles, and Wahine soccer coach Michelle Nagamine at Growler Hawaii for another really big road show. Uh, that is going to be on Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. There will be a happy hour special, great menu as well. Again, that's Wednesday at Growler Hawaii in Kapahulu. Our best and worst when we come back. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy. Brian McInnes here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. We've got about two minutes here before we'll give way uh, to another U.S. Open update and uh, get on out of here. So let's get to our best and worst. BMAC, what's your best? All right. My best is uh, former NBA forward Tony Snell uh, learning that his son uh, was diagnosed uh, as autistic or on the uh, spectrum and uh, was subsequently diagnosed himself as being on the spectrum. But he handled it, I think, I thought in a really cool way. Uh, says, uh, you know, he's like embraced learning about it. And it's just, he said, it's good to know something about himself that he never did. And uh, just came off as a very kind of heartwarming story. Yeah, that is cool. Former New Mexico Lobo actually uh, got to call a couple of his uh, college games back in the day. All right, we're going to do it a little bit differently because I want to end on my best. What's your worst? All right, my worst is uh, (laughs) Michael Jordan's entire tenure as owner, majority owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Just brutal. Going back to the Bobcats days and uh, I don't know what their average wins per season was, but it has to be like 
twenty. It was pretty abysmal, and yet he's still profiting over two billion dollars on the sale. Yeah, three billion sale, and I guess he paid two seventy-five million for that majority share. That's why he's the goat, man. That's why he's the goat. Uh, all right, my worst, and this is kind of uh, this is you know I'm, I'm doing this with love. Carl Ravitch, who uh, called the Oral Roberts three-run homer in the top of the ninth inning a walk-off, uh, and then kind of got confused, and it was kind of a brutal moment uh, in a huge win for Oral Roberts over TCU in the College Baseball World Series. But Carl, we've all been there, man. I love you, man. Keep your chin up. And uh, and yeah, that was just a, it's a it's a bummer. Uh, you hate to see it happen for any announcer. And then my best is happy birthday, Brian McKinnis. Yesterday was your birthday, B Mac. Uh, How did you celebrate, bro? Uh, pretty low key. Pretty low key. Turned the four zero uh, and just kind of laid back and drank four-o. some drank some whiskey and uh, big four zero. I remember those days. See you later, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>